everyone and welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Supply Chain Podcast where we invite industry leaders to give you an in-depth insight into the changing world of logistics. Now, in a previous episode, we talked about peak just as we were going into the festive season where there's an obvious uptick in demand. Here we are on the other side of it and as outbound demand returns to normal if there is such a thing these days, we see a peak for returns. And that's what we're going to talk about today. With e-commerce on the rise, return is a feature of all of our lives these days. So I'm delighted to have Gaurav Saran, CEO and founder of Reverse Logics, with us today. Reverse Logics is a leading software provider. Gaurav, thanks so much for joining me today and welcome. Thank you, Lou. Pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. Not at all. Before we start, Gaurav, can you tell me, how did you end up working in such a specialised area of supply chain? I wish I could say that I woke up with this big idea of returns. That's not quite how it went down. Um, I've been in the Silicon Valley software industry for all my career. I started it out with a few large software startups uh, initially when my early days, and then was fortunate to work in the high-tech manufacturing vertical at Microsoft. Uh, between all those experiences, um, I started to see a small gap at the time around how the reverse logistics uh, in company supply chains weren't necessarily efficient. So that was as much as I saw of the picture at the time. And over the years, it's evolved um, into a, a very large uh, industry in general. And the bane around returns, uh, I think we all, all, all see, it, see it and, uh, and feel it uh, today. So were you bright enough to see, it as, see that pain as a challenge back in the day? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think at that time I would just throw things away, but I think now you got to have a little a bit more circularity in the stuff you touch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So look, returns have definitely become an essential part of a consumer's everyday life. Um, do you see that level of importance reflected in the supply chain world? Um, are there specific business strategies around return these days? Um, what are you seeing? What, what's the trend there? So... When you look at returns, you know, us as consumers, um, we've all started to participate a lot in the returns journey in general. And it's been a factor of just, just e-commerce boom, uh, technology usage globally, uh, things like COVID. So the consumer behavior on one side has, has changed uh, dramatically over the last several years. Uh, but from a, from a perspective of the supply chain industry as a whole, the industry hasn't quite woken up to to returns um, as as we would as we should be in relation to the explosion on returns and and it really goes down to the maturity curve uh, of the different players within the within the supply chain chain industry. Some of the innovators, some of the leaders in the in industry have adopted um, the need for innovation around returns, given the fact that you know thirty percent of typically all products sold, especially in this uh, in the apparel and fashion uh, vertical. Um, so there's a, there's an evolutionary change, uh, that needs to happen. And the, the level of, uh, expertise that people also need to, to handle returns is evolving. Right. I mean, I know from our perspective at DHL, we, we actually have a, a bunch of people dedicated to returns. Um, is that typical? So DHL is definitely one of the, the leaders in, in terms of, uh, adopting and, and looking at the future, um, there are a few other large uh, organizations such as DHL, which are kind of leading the mantle, if you will, on this. Um, 
So the reverse logics, we are seeing uh, a lot of companies, especially typically large enterprise, both brands, uh, biggest brands in the world, um, they use us today, like Samsonite, Kohlhan, Wilson, a lot of those names, but also um, a lot of the forward thinking uh, 3PLs and manufacturers like Electrolux, um, like yourselves, have started to do that. And that's generally the, the, the trend that you'll see as the maturity grows, the pain happens first. And typically industry leaders will, will come to try to solve that pain and the rest of the market will start to, to latch onto that. Yeah, and look, I referenced up front that this does feel quite like quite a specialist part of the supply chain. Is this something that typically people try to manage themselves through process and then come to you for a technical solution? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, if you really think back, returns have always existed. It's just that over the last decade or so, the volume of returns has gone up dramatically. And when you when you talk about innovation, most organizations were so forward, uh, so, so focused on solving the forward side of the supply chain because step one for me, uh, or me as a as a as a brand, would be how do I get uh, the consumer the product as quickly? Yeah, how do I get my stuff? How do yeah. how do I get my stuff out there? And make sure people are buying it and using it. And yeah. returns come, no worry. I'll put it on a pile. I'll use a you know legacy homegrown system, maybe an Excel spreadsheet, and someone in the back room will figure it out. You know, that's really what it used to. Yeah, absolutely. Match them up. Yeah, yeah. We'll just figure it out, right? And the large is just going to sweep it under the rug. But over the last uh, decade or so, especially in the last five years, with the explosion in e-commerce in general, if you look at statistics, um, back in 2022, uh, actually 2021, uh, returns were about $781 billion worth of returns happened globally. That's a very big number. Uh, for 2022... Uh, that number has crossed a trillion dollars just in B2C returns. There's another market on the B2B side, which is close to another trillion dollars worth of returns. That's a really, really big problem. Um, so what? As, as those numbers are increasing and brands that are were so focused on getting the product to you, now they're saying, well, the minute a return starts, it's a loss for the brand. Before the vault, the, the, the amount of returns wasn't super high per se, so it could be the rug, but with so many things around economic pressure, supply chain challenges, brands now want to make sure that they can reduce the loss from the returns and maximize the recovery on, on the goods that are coming back, at the same time offer a premium customer experience. So to your early question on where do we fit in, um, we've now started to see a lot of these large brands realize that, look, if for my forward fulfillment, where I've got a lot of state-of-the-art technology, um, but now I'm getting 20, 30% or more product coming back, I need a dedicated end-to-end -end returns management system because it, it's a lot lot of lot to unpack and you need a, a platform for that. So we're seeing a lot of the large enterprises, the bigger brands um, really go out, you know, take, take that on and they're seeing phenomenal results already. And as you say, that, that customer experience of... Um, having the um, the reassurance that a return will be handled quickly, efficiently, for me, you know, I've got a 25-year-old here and, and she makes decisions about who she's going to purchase from based on ease of return. Um, equally, I've got older members of my family who are worried about making a purchase if they don't think they can return it. So, so returns is is becoming an essential deciding factor in, in actually placing your e-commerce business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and the two groups you mentioned, right? Um, so an interesting stat, about 
of shoppers that are shopping online make their purchasing decision based on the return policy that they see, right? So if brand, I'm first making sure not only do I get the product back to your daughter or to your grandparents quickly, um, but to to make sure that the experience is matched with the lifestyle, the, the geography they're in. So if you look at the journey of a return, you can break it into two big parts. One is the post-purchase experience for the consumer. How do I make the experience simple and easy and in line with lifestyle and geography, et cetera? And two, when I actually get the product back, how can I maximize uh, the recovery and minimize the loss, right? So um, having the right strategies in place and offering that is started to become mainstream uh, for most brands today. So what are you seeing in that space? You know, what, what are people doing and what are the drivers? Is this a cost driver? Is it a sustainability driver? What, what are you seeing from a business perspective when they're building out their return strategy? Yeah, and, and you know, the strategy can, can, can be different based on product types. So for instance, if you look at apparel and fashion, you know, return rates can be 30, 40%. Um, you, know, you know, if you look at the, the generations that are looking at product, they're all used to buying things online on the mobile devices. So one strategy is um, how do I make the not only the shopping experience when they're buying the product, but how do I make sure that experience when they return the product is is optimized? So if you look at, you know, most people today do bracketing where, you know, I'll buy five shirts and I'll return four because I'm testing for color or size. Um, or, you know, I I may I may you know, just, just buy something online and, uh, you know, I, I want to physically return it to a store if I have a store. So what brands need to look at and what they started to do is optimizing dynamically the strategy for consumer experience. Um, for, ex- uh, for instance, um, I'm a brand, I'm selling a product which is under $30 as an example. Maybe when someone is returning the product, uh, I have strategies in place where instead of shipping the product back, I can have you keep the product just because the cost of shipping it back is higher. Or things like functionality. Sure. You bought something in winter, and now it's summertime coming, your return policy still allows you to send the product back, but sending it, you know, you're selling the same product back at 80% of the value as an example. So you want strategies to take care of that or, you know, things like um, international returns, uh, cross-border documentation, being able to calculate back taxes, um, being able to offer uh, things like QR codes or drop-off locations. So there's a slew of different things that brands can do uh, that, that goes to type of product, the location, uh, the industry you're in. So I talked about apparel and fashion. Look at electronics. Um, electronics, one of the leading uh, return, uh, you know, when you receive the product back is no fault found. So a lot of times people are sending the product because they can turn it on as an example. So can you have strategies of not just reducing the return or putting flexibilities in the return process, but can you avoid the return in the first place? Um, so, you know, those strategies are, you know, they they encompass different types of products and categories. And are you seeing um, all types of sectors consider all types of of return strategy? Is is this a a deliberate strategy, or is this something that people um, that brands stumble across once they've realised how complex it is? No, very good question. So, if you if you step back a little bit on you know what what is what should be the return strategy? Uh, three, four, five years ago. Um, you know, there's a lot of noise in the market because people started realizing returns is a thing um, and requires something to happen, right? It was still a thing and something needs to happen. Um, so what it started out with, uh, hey, let's just put a 
a, you know, a point solution in place to improve the returns initiation component. See, the ability for the end user to start the return. That itself is not a return strategy. It's a point solution. So if you look at what should be driving your strategy is you have to step back and say, okay, what is the journey of a return? So part, you know, if you look at the entire journey, the first piece is what we, what we call returns initiation. The ability for the end user to create a return request. Now, that should be something not just for the end consumer, but also for a B2B side. Can you, can you do that? Because, you know, we still have a big market on B2B returns, right? Step one is having a, a dynamic strategy that allows for returns initiation as part of the returns solution that you're thinking about. Something that can cater to variety of needs that can apply to products, like uh, whether it be apparel or electronic as an example, very different in the way that happens. The second piece is um, processing of the returns. So when the returns actually come back to a physical location, you need ideally the same system that is opening up the, the returns initiation component to also close out that initiation in the in the processing piece. So think four walls, you receive the product. So can you make that process uh, efficient and, and faster? And finally, how do you have the best disposition of the product? Should it go to A stock? Should it go to should it go to recycle? Should it go to refurbish? So those are the big components you want to think about. Re-commerce, can you remarket them? And can you also do that sustainably? And can you also do that with uh, a lot of business metrics that you can col collect from your from your returns journey? You touch on a good point there around sustainability. Is that a primary driver now? Or what do you see as the primary driver? Is this about having an efficient and effective, and by that I actually mean cost-effective returns mechanism? Or are you genuinely seeing sustainability there as a, a driver of how companies put returns in? So there are multiple factors that are contributing to sustainability uh, becoming part of the strategic driver for, for, for our organization. One, from purely a, um, a world perspective, um, a green, green earth perspective, I think uh, a lot of brands are realizing uh, that it is part of the, the social responsibility um, to, to incorporate that as, as, as part of the strategy. Um, I'm seeing a lot of our customers have roles, um, you know, such as chief sustainability officer, as an example, that are part and parcel of making a decision around the returns technology platform um, because, you know, they're responsible to drive those initiatives. Um, second piece around that is when you do receive the products back, if you have the right technology in place that is looking at returns holistically, can you then dispose of the product uh, in, in, a, in a sustainable way, or can you reutilize the materials in a sustainable way? Can you refurbish the products, bring it back to first quality? All of those things tie into sustainability. So yes, we're seeing an increase in, in sustainability being a driver. And again, back to maturity curve of an organization, some are crawl, some are walk, some are run. Uh, but in that crawl, walk, run example, um, we're seeing a big jump in organizations realizing that just like you had, you know, for your forward fulfillment, you had a WM, uh, you had a, a ERP system, an OMS system, you know, maybe a WMS system. Now companies are saying, well, listen, if I'm getting 30% of my products are typically coming back, I need to invest in a dedicated system, which is an RMS, which then infuels the entire journey of my return, not just initiation, but processing, sustainability, remarketing. 
And are you seeing a difference in consumer behaviour? And look, we mentioned my family where I've got, you know, a a youngster who is careful what what she purchases because actually, ideally, she'd like a free return and and older relatives who are looking for the surety that they can return, um, not not necessarily in in a free way. I've been a bit unfair to the daughter because I have to say she has started to go, do you know, perhaps I shouldn't order so much because, you know, sustainability is becoming an agenda for her as a consumer. Is that a trend you're seeing as as well as a commercial trend? Uh, so first off, uh, your daughter's doing a really good job on that. And if she's returning, it's normal. <laughs> but no, but um, no, it is it is um, it is definitely a trend the the that generation is also a lot more conscious um, around mm. sustainability, and we're seeing that age group actually make a lot of their buying decisions with brands. Um, they want to buy from brands that are more sustainability conscious. So that trend is happening a lot. And and the the idea would be, how do we enable um, making sure the returns that tie into sustainability quite well are actually happening programmatically through a system? Um, so yes, brands are are paying a lot of attention to that. And that part of the of the market is very, very sustainability conscious. Yeah, I mean, you talk about how brands are in touch with um, with the return experience, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, look, we're just coming out of, of, of a festive period. I've definitely experienced more returns than than I would normally. Um, and one thing that was interesting that happened over that festive period is I bought my daughter um, a, a gift from a well-known online retailer. Um, there was a problem with it. There was a hole in it. Um, I contacted them on a chat line t- to let them know. Um, they basically said, look, we haven't got another one of those, but we'll refund your money and keep it. So I mentioned that to my daughter and she said, that's because of your returns history. I'm like, what, what do you mean? And she said, well, they wouldn't have done that for me. They would have asked me to return it. But because you've got such a good history with them, I was amazed. Are all retailers that sophisticated these days? Not all the ones that are looking at an RMS system generally are, and and really it's it goes back to um, a lot of there's three or four different things that happened in the example you just gave. One, the retailer had a lot of insight into the buying uh, or the returning experience or the behavior of the user, and how do you capture that? You can't capture that unless that particular retailer has invested in end-to-end returns management system, and it is very very important for that retailer to know. The, the customer's behavior. So that was one one important part. So, you know, the, the the term would be, you know, your daughter's considered a frequent flyer in terms of, you know, she's done a lot of returns and maybe be, be tempted to do some, you know, not so correct returns. So um, that's an aspect that technology can enable um, a brand to do. The second would be being able to put in dynamic policies. So in this case, um, what the brand is, is doing is saying, listen, as part of your returns journey, when you're initiating the return, it's got some mechanisms because you know you may have said, "Hey, you know the brand will typically ask you why you're returning the product," and you said, "Well, you have a you know bad product; it's broken." So brand saying, "Okay, give me the ability to put a proof of you know a picture of the item." So it's giving brands a lot of intelligence, and then the system is intelligent enough at that point to say, "You know what? Keep the item because the cost of shipping that product back to you would be pretty high, and then you would be getting a defective item anyway." So again, the the role of technology in something like this and having that end-to-end. If you did not, if this brand did not have an end-to-end RMS system, one, it would have no visibility into your daughter's returning behavior, as an example, um, and would not have the ability to put in um, the right um, um, 
methods in place for, in this case, um, not having you ship the product back. Uh, at the same time, they kept you very happy because they were able to give you instant credit, right? So it's tying into customer experience. It's tying into brand intelligence. And guess what? If you if you have the right RMS, it can do things like trend analysis for you, where it's saying, well, well it's not just your daughter in this example that that returned that or wanted to return that defective item. What if you're seeing that trend along other customers? So then you're messaging back to manufacturing saying, well, for that for that blue shirt, there's a manufacturing defect where it looks like there's a little hole on the right side of the item, preventing the next few returns for coming and ultimately brand losing money in this case, right? Not only did you lose the sale, you also couldn't really do anything with the item that you sold. So there's a lot of things when you look at returns, it's a much bigger piece than, than sometimes brands or, or people thinking about returns uh, understand. And, and to be honest, that, that whole experience um, had, a, had a massive impact. I mean, I, I hate to be dull about it, but it had a massive impact. I was thinking about the, the whole psychology around it. Um, when, when she told me that I was possibly getting a better experience than she was, there was an element of gamification. And I'm like, oh, great, I'm being rewarded for doing the right thing. My next step was, hang on, what are you doing wrong? What are you doing with the with the returns process? That, that means that you might not get the same experience. And she said to me, you know, typically, mum, I'm a bit rubbish. I've, I let returns pile up and I return them all together. So I'm a bit late. Now, clearly, they know that too. Um, so you're absolutely right. This is another example in the supply chain where um, data analytics and using that data and analytics in an intelligent way has a huge and positive impact on customer experience. Absolutely. And, you know, and this is very common across the board where you want to offer your premium customers a premium experience. Um, and then customers that may misuse the, the policies, if you don't have the right system in place, you would never know that you have people that are policy abusing, which is, which is, you know, it happens if you don't, if you don't put the, the right guardrails, um, it will happen. So brands are, are waking up to, to that, that concept. And, um, you know, 3PLs, which are supporting the brands are also realizing, well, if they want to offer that level of uh, sophistication for the brand to let them handle their, their, their products, they need a system to accommodate that. Yeah. I wonder how sophisticated it, it can get because in all of that experience, um, the, the returns are still free to me. If I'd opted and I was given the option still to return the item because it was defective, even though they'd refunded it. So why I would, I don't know. Um, but it does make me wonder whether there's something people can do about with the returns process that encourages people to shop more consciously. Yeah, there's there's a lot of strategies that people are trying to do. You know, you, you can employ things like um, exchanges, as an example, uh, is is one way, um, or return avoidance is another way. Especially if you look at the electronics area, I, I mentioned an example earlier where, you know, when when people are returning product, um, you know, if I just uh, made a mistake, I didn't know how to turn the product on, as an example, or I'm sending something back because there's a small scratch on the on the watch strap, as an example. Can I send you a DIY kit? So you can just put the strap yourself. So um, being able to have multiple strategies at your fingertips is is another key area uh, where a technology platform can allow you to do that. Um, another trend that that you know uh, we're seeing is companies and brands are constantly trying out new ways to tackle returns. Um, a lot of the leading brands today are you know doing or trying to implement things like um, you know why don't we do you know you have to pay for a return now. If you're a very large brand, you may be able to get away with it. 
Um, but how would that affect your experience as a consumer, given the fact that you are looking at how easy returns are? Or in your example, when there was actually a, a defective product that came back from the brand, and if you can't, if you have to pay for that, you'd probably be pretty upset as a consumer, right? Um, on the other hand, you may say, well, if I mean, it's prior to game the system and just say, hey, the return reason is it's effective. So there's there's a lot of those things that are that are in motion. And, and the goal really from a technology platform should be as, 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 as the industry continues to evolve and we're looking at different aspects in managing the reverse journey, um, having the right technology investment in an RMS platform that can truly allow you to look at the whole journey of the return becomes even more critical because you can make adjustments across the board and you have the visibility from the start to the finish of the return. Yeah, I, I completely get it. And I mean, the other thing that amazes me is how how lazy I've become around the returns process because frankly, I'm a bit irritated if I have to write a returns label. I'm a bit irritated if I need to print a label and I can't just take it to the post office with a or wherever with a with a barcode. I'm a bit irritated if I have to fill out a bit of paper listing the reason for return. I mean, what what more do I want really? Is, is that typical or am I just very, very lazy? <laughs> no, no, that is very, very typical. And, um, you know, that, that's where the sophistication of a solution allows you to remove that hurdle from you because it will affect your buying decision uh, with the brand. The brands that can um, solve for this, um, making it uh, easier. So, you know, we have brands that are using QR codes as an example. They have drop-off locations. A lot of large companies are coming with in-home pickup service for you now. You've heard some of the announcements from some of the big carriers lately. So there's a multitude of things that can happen. Um, you know, in, in Europe, uh, you know, printers are not as commonly used, uh, you know, as, as other parts as an example. So people you have a QR code. Or, um, you know, if I'm starting a return and, and I know that there's a drop-off location near my house, maybe a mile down, it may be easier for me to just wrap it off or do things like, you know, uh, bagless returns. Um, so all of those strategies, again, it really goes down to are you as as the brand um, or, or the 3PL partner that you're using to, to support your fulfillment and returns, do you have the right technology system in place um, that can allow for all of these different capabilities based on product, uh, you know, uh, region and, 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 uh, and the value of the product as well? And, and the sort of technology that's emerging around returns and so so I get it that there must be some sort of scanning mechanism in scanning mechanism out but that large retailer that I talked about earlier um, they seem to be super sophisticated so so what I receive for them if I receive three parcels and I've got three returns I can return them in one parcel and it doesn't seem to be reliant on what I say online is it some sort of what they're doing are they weighing it are they how do they know what I'm returning how are they matching that up is that yeah. part of the technology it is it is a technology solution it's actually quite simple it really goes back to the platform the initiation which I talked about earlier the front end is actually connected to the processing so you can actually start and close out the RMA and it can also detect things like underages and overages, for example. You know, what if you pack one extra by mistake? The system will know that you've actually sent one more. Or uh, you claim you're going to return one item, uh, but you send them, a, send them a box of cookies as an example, right? So fraud that comes in. Um, so all of that is, is a factor of technology and having the right system. Um, another point that came up with one of our customers was they want to make sure um, you as the consumer, you still want to be able to get the credit back uh, as quickly as possible. Um, aligned with the consumer experience. 
Um, but the brand wants to make sure that when you receive the product, um, whether it's at a drop-off location or a consolidation point, uh, how quickly can you verify that it's, it is the right product, especially with higher value? Right. If you're getting a product backpack, you want to make sure it's the genuine ones. Can you can you do all of that? Um, and allowing for that is is another big piece of, of the technology platform. As I mentioned earlier, historical investment with brands or 3PLs um, has really been around, I need a order management system as a brand. I probably need a ERP system. If I'm doing my own uh, physical handling, I need a WMS system. And these are the I'll try to do return with. And you know, all the examples you, you, we've talked about so far are, are not possible in those systems, right? So the fourth puzzle, the, the, that big piece is now, uh, given the volume of returns, having an end-to-end -end returns management system allows you to do all of the different capabilities we've, we've been discussing so far. Yeah, and look, I, I referenced the fact that I'm slightly irritated by having to tick a box to give a reason for my return, but it also made me think about why I was having to tick a box and what was happening as a result of me ticking the box. So I think I think genuinely it's a fascinating subject. Um, I'm a bit embarrassed to say how fascinated I am by it, but I completely understand how you, having asked you that question, how did you end up in this very specific part of logistics? I get it. Um, and I think perhaps given that it plays such a huge part in our lives these days, the people who get this right are going to enjoy huge benefits in terms of customer experience um, and customer loyalty. It will keep me coming back. Absolutely. The, the customer loyalty is such an important aspect. People typically will tend to go back to brands that are giving them a consistent experience. And these are things that have been well documented and reported on. Um, and as I keep going back to, if you're looking at a typical 30% return rate, if you haven't figured that out, you're going to, you're going to lose so much money, 30% of your products are coming back. Can you imagine that as a brand, um, a, a, you know, close to a $2 trillion market next year, but it to be and B2C sales. And we haven't really touched on B2B quite a bit, but that's also a really, really big segment of product coming back. How does it differ? What, what differences are you seeing in B2B against B2C? So the big difference between B2B and B2C is uh, on the B2B side, typically um, uh, the brand or the manufacturer is getting the product back from some sort of a retailer or a dealer that is sending them product back in bulk. So instead of getting onesie, twosie returns, you're getting these big pallets. Um, and what happens from in, in that aspect is when you're getting these returns back, it is hard to do all the validations on those returns because they're generally coming in big pallets. And you'll see a lot of these products will typically just sit somewhere in a warehouse um, and nothing will happen to them properly. They won't get put back into stock at the right time. They will not be disposed of at the right time. And for the manufacturers or, or the brands that are returning the product, they have issues around contract credits. Um, so, you know, the loss on those is, is very, very high and, you know, hasn't really been solved for historically as much, but we've got some very large, um, uh, customers in the B2B space, such as Electrolux as an example, where, um, you know, they've been able to implement the right systems um, to, to reduce the loss from the returns again and maximizing the recovery. Yeah, because uh, I imagine, you know, the, the, the risk of loss is, is obviously far greater in terms of its value um, in, in a B2B scenario. But again, you know, that, that experience is critical because, you, you know, you do want to make sure that it's um, your inventory is up to date at all times. Yeah, and, you know, we've had such... Um, you know, such so, so challenging times with supply chain in general. So being able to get the inventory back quickly 
and being able to do something with the return product, whether it's especially if it's electronics as an example, then, you know, can I harvest parts? Um, can I put it back into first quality very quickly? All of those things need to be enabled uh, through a technology platform. So thanks, Gaurav. This has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. Um, just to wrap things up, I'll ask you the $64 million question. How do you see the future of e-commerce evolving? Um, what what are the trends going to be like in the future around return returns, um, rise of lockers and, and re-commerce? How do you see that evolving? Uh, so first of all, I think it's going to be a $2 trillion question. Um, as far as the market is concerned. So a couple things. One, I see the future as more companies will, um, most most brands and 3PLs will all uh, will all start to utilize an RMS solution. Um, it is, is already there on all the leaders in the market are already taking that, that foot forward. So that would be one. Uh, second, sustainability is going to continuously drive um, the, the return space a lot. Um, not not only because the consumers want it, uh, but it's it's dictated by you know how we want to dispose of the product. Can we recycle and reuse? And it also ties into things things around supply chain challenges. So that would be a big big factor. The third would be uh, a growing uh, focus on re-commerce, um, where you know if you look at last year, there was a growth in in re-commerce uh, from about thirteen point five billion dollars worth of re-commerce activity in 2018 to about $28 billion in 2022. That's that's a big jump. And 23, that's supposed to go up another another 15%. So that, that market has gone up a lot. And you'll see a lot of brands coming out with exclusively, you know, reset to selling, selling hand, secondhand goods. All of that is, is, is uh, taken into account. Another interesting stat for 2022 is about 100 uh, new uh, re-commerce initiatives were launched across a variety of brands. 77, uh, 77 of the 100 happened last year. So um, that is, you know, that, that's on the rise. And, um, you know, if you look at uh, how, you know, re-commerce, circular economy, and, and looking at returns as a holistic reverse logistics math problem to solve, just like we've had so much innovation on the forward fulfillment of the item. And I keep going back to listen, if you're looking at a 30% uh, return rate, that is a really, really big market for you to address and the loss on the returns I keep going back to is 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 a lot if you're not able to reduce that um, and keeping in, in line with the customer experience. So those would be the three, three big uh, trends and predictions uh, from my side. Awesome. I, th I think that would completely align with um, with certainly some of my colleagues here in DHL supply chain. Um, my colleague Scott Allison has spent so much time and energy, a recent conference we were at, so much time and energy talking about the circular economy, drilling that into us, making sure we understand how things could be in the future and how we're going to respond to it. I think we could do a whole nother session just talking about circular economy. Um, but for now, Gaurav, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been a real pleasure geeking out with you around the whole uh, the whole subject of returns and how they might um, evolve in the future. So thank you so much for being with me today. My pleasure and thank you very much. Thanks to you for tuning in. Um, please subscribe if you want to hear more of the Ultimate Supply Chain podcast. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you'd like us to tackle in the future. Thanks again.